three, two, one, play. Hey everybody, have you ever been traumatized by old people? In general, just the thought of aging, does that scare you? And all, are you also kind of obsessed with slasher films? Then do we got a show for you? Cue oh, the VeggieTales the Veggie theme song. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Oh man! Hi, we're we're back with another episode of the podcast. Oh yeah, here we are. We're both here. We're both here. We've also been slightly busy since we've seen the Batman. Yes, we we. There's been a lot that's happened since we've seen the Batman. When did we see the Batman? Uh, I mean, it was probably like a month ago. Did I wait? No, I can tell you exactly when we saw the Batman because it's on my app. But yeah, we've been we've been busy, and we meant to. At one point, we talked about recording this in person, like yeah. last weekend when I was there, but I think we just forgot or ran out of time. Did I have this on my finger before? Have what on your finger? Uh, the engagement ring that you put Oh, the me. engagement ring, Did as you? in you and I are engaged to be married? To be married. To be married. A part in The Lion King. Where Zazu's <laughs> explaining betrothal and Simba and all are just like, ew, gross. Oh, I like her. She's my friend. Ew, no. Yeah, joke's on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're married. Or married. We're engaged to be married. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> we're engaged to be married. Yeah, Shelby's got a rock on her finger. It's really pretty and it's green. I um, went to California a couple weeks ago with a friend. Um and I told Doctor Strange that I had my own time stone um, because we went to Disneyland, obviously. Why else would you go to California? And uh, at Avengers Campus. And he was like, what? And I showed him the ring. And he was like, wow, engagement ring? He did good. And I was like, right. I think he stole this from the TVA. And he was like, oh, okay. I need to talk to Loki, which I thought was a really cute interaction. That is a cute interaction. I didn't get it. I didn't get it on film. And I felt, um, I was just really overwhelmed by that moment because I was with a friend who they're obsessed with Stephen Strange. Like it's their life goal to meet him in person. And so Sterling, if you're listening to this, I was just so happy watching you talk to Stephen Strange that I forgot to record my own interaction, but that's fine. You know, I, it doesn't matter. And also, Sterling, if you're listening, hi. I've still never met you in person. but I know. Whatever. This is going to be remedied this Halloween Horror Night season. Or before, I promise. Or before. Who knows? Hey, you never know what could happen. Who knows? But yeah, uh, it, so I just looked it up. And um, our we saw the Batman at the beginning of March. Oh, wow. So it's been a while. It's been a while. But in the meantime, we've seen a couple of movies that have been pretty crazy and worth talking about yeah. and you kind of you kind of teased one at the beginning but before before we get into the one we're talking about some uh, uh, like is there other stuff that we've been interested in watching in the meantime yes very big into tv right now josh and mm. i have been binging not even binging we've been doing that respectful thing where like we only watch this show together um if you have hbo max please watch our flag means death it is quite possibly one of the funniest but most heartwarming shows I've ever seen. Um, if you guys are fans of, oh, why am I blanking? The Vampire Pirates? Show. Uh, of what? The Vampire Show that Tyka did. Oh, oh, uh, We Live in the Shadows? What, what We Do in the Shadows. Or What We Do in the Shadows. If you like What We Do in the Shadows, you will like this because this is also, also Tyka. Um, but yeah, Josh and I have been watching this. And then Hamilton came over this past weekend and we – Got it in our little brains to start watching Peacemaker. Yeah, we binged the whole thing. We binged the entire first season. I'm obsessed. I love it. I can't wait for the second season. Dang it. It was so good. It was so good. <laughs> and, you know, I've been listening to the, or this morning on my drive into work, I listened to the theme song. It's um, just so catchy. Like, did you oh, know that that, when do you think that song came out? My brain, because everything else is like 80s hair metal, my brain yeah. wants to say 85. Yeah, but it's 2010. Sure it's, I was going to say, I'm sure it's like 
the last but decade. They have an album that came out last year. I think they're called like Wim Wham or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they've got an album that came out last year and it is so good. Yeah. Peacemaker's great. Everything about that show is amazing. And then I made Hamilton watch the first two episodes of Moon Knight. Yes. And you've Mm -hmm. seen the third one. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. The third one's really good. Look, here's my thing. It is just Moon Knight is a property I don't know much about. I know just enough to be like, quote unquote, dangerous. But um, I don't know too much. And I'm kind of going in blind. And I really like it. So you're, what you're saying is you're watching a Marvel show the way that the rest of us watch Marvel shows? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I know I I could like pick out a couple things. I'm like, oh, this is like another personality. And I knew um, in the first episode, because in the comics, Mark is the main. And so I was very intrigued when they started this show with Steven. And you're getting it from Steven's perspective. And I'm like, oh, now we're meeting Mark, but we're meeting Mark through this really interesting way. I thought that was a very brilliant choice. Hmm. That show is full of brilliant choices. The set design, the decision to cast Oscar Isaac. The decision to hire Egyptian people to make a show about a predominantly like Egyptology heavy, you know, yep. group. Wow. Yep. An Egyptian heavy uh, score. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's really good. Uh, you also watched all of the new season of Bridgerton. I did. Oh my gosh. I even forgot I binged, binged, devoured all (laughs) of season two. Um, Here's my thing. I, yeah, it's not as steamy as the first season, whatever. I'm team Duke all the way in terms of like romantic leads. Uh, It's not that I don't think Jonathan Bailey isn't an absolute adorable, gorgeous little bean. I just really like the Duke as a character. (laughs) Um... But in terms of, like, female leads, I think um, Kate and Edwina are probably my favorites. Mm-hmm. And so I was, was very impressed with them. And that means nothing to you? It means nothing. I haven't even seen one episode of Bridgerton. I haven't made you watch it yet. Mom texted me that she's, like, going through all of it. I think she started season two. Oh. But she she was not prepared. She thought it was, like, a quote-unquote historically accurate period drama and then you know so did i until you told me it was a shonda rhimes thing and i was like oh so it's just gonna slap is what you're telling me mom goes i uh thought it was historically accurate until i saw the queen was black and then i was like hold on a second and i was like no mom (laughs) it's not that's it's that's the point right (laughs) yeah i didn't realize it was a shonda rhimes thing um but i'm a huge fan of hers I think you'll no. I think you'll like Bridgerton. You don't normally go for like the cheesy like the really cheesy romancy stuff yeah. that I do. But it it's fun. I think that's the important thing. It's just fun. Hey, that counts. Speaking of fun and cheesy and female leads, let's talk about X. No. Whoa. <laughs> what an absolute opposite transition. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a segue by um by lies. By lies. <laughs> yes. A segue by lies. <laughs> a segue by lies. But... Yeah, so we're here to talk about X today. And oh man, we had thoughts about this movie. <laughs> I need to preface this by saying that the real reason we're talking about this is because my friend Casey refuses to see this movie, but he will listen to our podcast talking about this movie as he said in our group chat. So Mm. Hi, Casey. Hi, Casey. And hi, Richie. And hi, Maggie. Hi, especially Maggie. Especially Maggie. Especially Maggie. Casey's dog. <laughs> um, but Casey was like, yeah, I'm not going to see it. But it did look really intriguing. And I just want to kind of hear a summary and like your all's thoughts on it. Um, Casey, I will not make you watch this. This is not like a comfort horror movie that I'm just going to have on the background on game night. Because this was not comforting. No. This, it was good. It was very good. Here's my thing. It was very, very good. But I did not sleep. This wasn't like hereditary level. Like, I'm not sleeping for a month. I've got the light on next to me. But it, I struggled to sleep um, for a good week. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fair. Because part, like, part of what makes the movie so, um, like, memorable or, like, 
makes it stick with you is that it's just very uncomfy. Yeah. So much about the movie is, yeah, like, sure, there's horrifying things that happen, but, like, it's very uncomfortable and for the most of the run You, when you realize why you're uncomfortable, you are uncomfortable with the reason you're uncomfortable. Like, it's it's a really good kind of meta commentary on the slasher genre, but also, you know, what we actually fear as a modern, you know, 2022 society that is obsessed with looks and youth and beauty. And, you know, I just thought it was really, really smart to put it in the lens of a 70s slasher. There are a lot more horror movies that are given nods throughout like psycho um oh my gosh why am i playing like there were some modern horror Mm -hmm. um tropes that were pulled in like it was it was really well done but yeah before we before we start talking about all that do you want to give like a rundown of like what is this movie that we're even talking about okay so um if you have delicate sensitivities you can stop listening to the podcast now um, yeah, but- it's we, we will be talking about this movie that goes into like, I mean, it's like a, a core plot of this movie is like adult films and yeah. um, which is not everyone's cup of tea. Um, topic of tea. Right. So <laughs> if, that, if that, you know, freaks you out, stop listening now. We'll give you a second. Come join us in the next one. Because right. that movie, um, which we're going to be doing right after this one, is really, really good. So. Really good. And Um, also, if you don't want this movie spoiled, probably turn it off because we're talking in detail. In detail, yeah. So Okay, so those out of the way, what is this movie about? Synopsis of this movie. Um, It's set in the 70s in a group of young up-and-coming actors um, and adult film stars basically rent out this guy's farm to film a couple pornos. And this is in the early, no, it's in 79. Yeah. It's in, it's in late seventies because they mentioned the, the oil crisis. Right. Um, and like the, the Carter administration. So it's late seventies and, you know, hippies, free love, disco, like that whole era. But um, really the only things that anyone has are like strip clubs and, you know, like in person, x-rated things and so this owner of a strip club at a trucker park is trying to make it big and he's using his girlfriend his like best pair of boobs the you know the stud and then this film student and this film student's really scared girlfriend they all get in a car and go on a road trip to this guy's farm because they know if they're you know if somebody finds out who they are and what they're doing they're not going to let them film there so they stay for, I think it's only one day, they pull up to this guy's farm, and it's this really old guy. like Really old. Like, has definitely served, possibly in both world wars. Um, like, just, just struggling to move. Mm-hmm. Has two hairs to his name. Um, and just as many teeth. Just as many teeth. Complains about his heart problems. Calls one of the guys a beatnik has like a a non loaded shotgun at his front porch to make a statement. Um, should anybody come up and try and disturb him? And then he mentions his wife. Mm. And oh. I always get nervous when a wife who has like dementia issues is mentioned in a horror movie. That's a trope. I know it's a trope, but I still get nervous. Um. Because I've seen The Visit, and I know how that movie ends. That was scary. Um, uh, so they they uh, realize that this... One of the characters meets this, this old woman. And this old woman is like, I used to be a dancer. I used to be young and supple and beautiful, too, like you. And she tries to strike up a friendship with the main girl, um, who happens to be the director's girlfriend. And she's like, that's kind of like creepy. Can you stop talking to me? Because it's, it's weird. And, um, the woman throughout the movie, the old woman throughout the movie is trying to get her crusty old husband to have sex with her because she realizes that the youngins who they've rented the farm out to are doing all sorts of lewd things. And she wants in on the action and her husband keeps saying, I can't do it. 
I can't do it because I've got heart problems. I'm so sorry. I can't give you this. If, you know, if we have sex, I'll die, basically. So what it comes down to. And so she's just like, it's this weird, like, you you feel bad for her, but then it's like really creepy at the same time. And so it's one of those instances where throughout the movie, you just like try and sympathize with her, but then you are so creeped out and grossed out by everything. So she basically starts killing off these young people one by one because they have the youth and beauty um, that she doesn't have. And then here's the twisty twist. If you don't want it spoiled, um, stop listening now. The twisty twist is that one of the girls breaks into the house to try and get help. Or no, she gets dragged down yeah, uh, into the basement. And she realizes that these old people have like a sex dungeon. Where they keep young people chained up for who knows what purposes Mm -hmm. until they die. Right. And so they basically lure in people and then they pick off the ones that they don't want. They'll kill them. And there are some really good kills. If you're a fan of like really creative and clever kills that make good on great setups, this is a fun movie. Right. Um, But then they keep, you know, the last one of them, they'll, drag her down or him down for whatever purposes and then you know wait until the next group comes so yep. and then chain them up and then keep them there apparently even after they're dead yep um and so the way that the story is told is a little bit out of chronological order um you start at the ending and all you see are bodies covered with tarps as the police officer gets there and or the police chief and um No one knows what happened. It looks like you're walking in on the end of Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, it's a gore fest. It's it's an absolute gore fest. You're seeing the blood. You're seeing um, the trails of stuff of people who tried to crawl away. And um, yeah, from then, it's it's straightforward narrative. Um, But yeah, I think... Am I trying to miss anything? I don't think I'm missing anything. No, I mean that's that's pretty much like the whole plot. I don't want to. I don't want to get into like the nitty gritty. Yeah, I I think it's important to point out that like a lot of the, a lot of the plot itself is very tropey. You know, you mentioned you know old woman with dementia, and that's kind of a trope. And like, yeah, it is a trope, uh, and that's on purpose. This this movie throws a lot of tropes at you uh, and they're all on purpose Yeah, because um, like just part of the way it tells its story is through references and through setting up things that you are thinking are going to happen. And then sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like cabin in the woods in that way and mm-hmm. that it's really like self-aware horror, but this is not, it's not as funny as you know, Cabin in the Woods is essentially a comedy with horror elements. Um, this is a horror movie with some with, comedy elements. With comedy and like com- comedy might be a stretch. It's like self-referential. There, there are some comedy moments. There are some. Yeah, that's true. There's some. There are both moments where like it's genuinely funny, and then there are moments where you're so uncomfortable that you can only laugh. Mm. Because you don't know what else to do, right? <laughs> yeah, that no, that's a good point. It, there is a there is a reaction when something is so uncomfortable to look at or watch that uh, the only reaction you can have is either like the ladies in my theater did, get up and leave, <laughs> or you yeah. laugh. You know, <laughs> which is what happened in my theater. I saw like, yeah. a bunch of people who like were very clearly a twenty four horror movie fans, and so there were moments of levity where like we all kind of breathed a collective sigh of relief and like laughed at certain things. And then there were certain kills that like the, <laughs> the there was a, there's a particular death that Hamilton and I both talked about as soon as we got back to the, like on the phone with each other after we saw this. Um, yeah. Cause we had a, a showing like 10 minutes apart on yeah. the same day. There was a uh, death by gator. Yes, there it's, was. It's set up really early on. As oh. a potential thing that this this gator is just chilling and like living in Florida, um, this kind of taps into one of my worst fears, um, 
<laughs> why you why you don't mess with gators? <laughs> this is massive, like massive gator just chilling Huge. in this old person's backyard. Um, and so there's there is a very quick gator death, and that was the first thing that Hamilton and I talked about when we got back to the car. We were like, that gator death was wild, and that was one that like in my theater, some dude in the back just went oh shit like under his breath because like we're you know we're all watching this in florida where gators are like to us we were like oh no (laughs) that's really scary yeah well you see the gator like 10 minutes into the movie Mm -hmm. and so uh one thing that this movie does really well is like you said set up some payoffs and so pretty much everything you see it the script is so tight and we'll get into all of that stuff in a second, but it's so tight that like everything you're watching has a purpose. Yeah. And if there is a setup, there will be a payoff. And if there is a payoff somewhere down the line, it's already been set up somewhere. And it's also not necessarily set up with the same character. That's going to experience the payoff. No, The gator is not set up with the same character that gets the payoff, but there are, um, there are, moments of dialogue from those characters that do indicate their fates, which is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the ending. So one of the most iconic endings in um, slasher films and horror movies in general is that ending of um, Texas Chainsaw where the final yeah. girl is in the bed of the truck and the guys are driving. She's hitched a ride and she just starts like maniacally laughing. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about this, it felt, it, it, you know, like it also kind of felt like this additional meta commentary is that your final girl is driving the truck mm-hmm. and she's maniacally laughing. Right. And I was just like, what a, like, what a great, you know, tie in parallel, but also update. Like, mm-hmm. I, I loved it. It was so well done. Yeah, it there, there, there is that again, that's the final girl trope, right? Mm-hmm. But um this one feels this feels less like, oh, yep, that's she's just the girl who survived to the end. And this one, I think, ties in really well with one of the themes of what the movie is talking about, which is uh, female autonomy. Mm-hmm. And so like this one feels a, a whole lot more like, nope, this is her choosing her path. Well, and what I love, too, is that it's a recurring theme for yes. this character. Yeah, because she says really early on, what does she say to herself in the mirror? She's like, she like, she's like, you're a star. Yeah, she like snorts a line of cocaine, or no, she says you're a goddamn sex symbol or something. Oh, like sex symbol, yeah, something that's like a that. Sex symbol, and then she gets in the truck and they go. But it, that's like a recurring thing is that like she manifests for herself. I mean, it really is manifesting. It's wild, um, but she's just like, I deserve the best. I deserve to be like big and um deserve to be seen in in mm-hmm. households across the country the other girl who's um the like, like the actual star yeah the actual the quote-unquote actual star is your um standard bra- bombshell blonde bombshell it's played by Brittany snow who's no stranger to being a scream queen and horror um she's just a really good actress that people and hopefully on. will be in the future because she can Held it I know. I get really sad when people sleep on her because she's been in like the scripts that she's done haven't been great, but she's a a really good horror actress. Um, I mean, shout out to Hairspray; she did a great job um, in Hairspray too. Um, but she she kind of just like goes about it. She knows she's pretty. She mm-hmm. knows that she's like the money kind of the money maker. And then the final girl is played by Mia Goth, who, if you guys haven't seen um, Emma, she was in um, that adaptation as Harriet. She is a model by trade, so she has a very unique look that isn't, like, commercially acceptable or, like, traditional. Um, She dated Shia LaBeouf for a little bit. I don't think she still is. I don't remember who she's dating now. But, like, she's a quirky person. Uh, with a very quirky look, but she's the one who manifests for herself that like she deserves better, that she um, shouldn't settle for less. It's just weird how she winds up succeeding because mm-hmm. of that kind of manifestation. Yeah, and um, 
part of her like kind of part of her arc and with the it, it's fast you know it's interesting watching these movies where the characters have like really well-defined arcs because you're not used to seeing that in like what could be a campy slasher movie mm-hmm. like this one is selling you on like sex and violence those are the things that you're like oh that's what i'm gonna get in the movie but what you come out like sort of thinking about isn't so much that but it's these other things that they've been developing um through their whether it's like this film crew you know that you have the like um sort of stereotypical uh auteur filmmaker who's like there's no reason we can't make dirty movies beautiful yeah, which I, so, like, I really his love whole, that line. His whole thing is trying to like derive beauty from this thing that's like sort of uh, dirty. Very you know, he's like, yeah. yeah, just because I have to get this shot doesn't mean I can't make this like work as a piece of art. You know, so you have that guy and then you have the girl who's already the starlet. And then you have Mia who's like, I want to be the star. And then you've uh, got the little mousy girl yeah. who is who, who is your stand in kind of like nerd prude figure um who realizes just by being around you know people who are sex workers that she you know should come into her sexuality and like own her sexuality and that's a little bit of her arc and then you know the guy i think the only two people who don't really have any sort of arc are the The director and the director yeah um yeah they they kind of and they're they're your they're your goalposts, pretty much. Yeah, but they're kind and of they're kind of like the comic relief, anyway. They are too. Yeah, they do. You know, and they you do know that they're, job. yeah, they're like the source of all the visual gags. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kid Cudi is uh, plays the boyfriend of like the star lady, and um, part of the humor is just like, oh, we're watching Kid Cudi right now. What's going? <laughs> What's going on? Was wild. I know. Yeah, it is wild. Um, let's talk about there was something. Yeah, okay. So th- this is performance. We're gonna talk about like in in individual performances for a second. And particularly, you've already talked about her Mia Goth. Mm-hmm. Because Mia plays two people in this movie. Which I suspected but didn't yeah. know for sure until the credits rolled. So Mia not only plays the young one, she also plays the old lady, mm-hmm. which was wild. And yeah. I mean, like such a smart connection because you're making this thematic tie in of the old woman looking at her, seeing herself. And then Mia, you know, I, I forget. Can you look up what her actual character name is? Because I keep calling her Mia and I feel like. This. Oh, uh, Maxine. Maxine. So Maxine like doesn't want to relate to Pearl, who's the old lady, of course, mm-hmm. who's Pearl. Um, and she's so terrified of becoming her. And so mm-hmm. I didn't. I think that's like the smartest casting decision I've seen in a very, very, very long time. It's like when Tilda Swinton is like six, like in Suspiria, where Tilda Swinton was like three different characters, mm-hmm. and you had no idea. Um, yeah, some of them are boys, some of them are girls. Yeah, that old dude, you know. Yep. Um this was one of those casting decisions that like was so seamlessly done. I had no idea. Cause I left that um, movie being like, wow, I wonder who the old lady is. Like she does such a great job. And then the credits rolled. And I was like, that was also Mia. Oh yeah. my gosh. And it's a beautiful moment for one of the central themes of the movie, which mm. is not sex and violence, but it's um, have my, has my time passed me by. Yeah. And you know, is do I have anything left? Um, is like everything that I was here to do over and now I'm just waiting to die. You know, that's like, that's like the part of the central conflict of this uh, old couple. You've got Pearl, the old lady, and she is feeling totally unfulfilled. Um, she's bored out of her mind. Her husband's not giving her what she wants. Uh, and or even in the way she wants it. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just kind of like living this um, blank life out in the middle of nowhere. But then he is dealing with, he is now this like shell of his former self. And he's dealing with his own, like the like impotence that comes with old age. Yeah. 
and tying that into like the way that he perceives himself, the things that he thinks that he deserves from life, from strangers, from his wife, from whatever. And you have like a really complex discussion of what it means to age and especially what it means to age in a society that prizes youth and virility and um, productivity mm-hmm. because these like these older people in this story have none of that. They have this house that they've lived in for decades and decades and they do the same thing, I guess, drink and lemonade on the porch <laughs> and that's all that they do. Yeah. And so this is asking questions about that kind of thing and juxtaposing those people with these like young, super potent, you know, um, like hypersexualized um, producing, you know, producer sort of people. And I think uh, that that brings up a really good point because like when I said you feel uncomfortable with the reasons that you feel uncomfortable, I felt like initially uncomfortable and I was like, okay, like if I feel uncomfortable in a horror film, I'm like, why do I feel this way? Why am I feeling anxious? Um, thank you. Shout out to Monica, my therapist for telling me to unpack that. Um, you know, just like in life in general, I'm in a situation I feel uncomfortable, unpack it before I respond. Um, but I was just like, okay, why am I uncomfy right now? And it was, it wasn't even in any major like death scene. Um, it was in the, the scene where Pearl and Maxine are drinking lemonade together. And I was like, why am I so creeped out by this? And it's a fear of aging. And then I became uncomfortable. I was like, do I have a fear? Like, do I have a fear of aging? Like, of course Mm -hmm. you do. Every human does. You know, people can say until they're red in the face that they don't fear getting old. They don't fear gray hair. But like everyone fears aging because of what comes after you age up to a certain point, you know? And um, yeah, that was just was just wild. And then I will say there are multiple sex scenes. Um, but there's one sex scene in particular mm-hmm. that, that also kind of forces you to be uncomfortable and then realize why you're uncomfortable. And then you question why you're uncomfortable compared to the previous sex scenes and Pearl and her husband do consummate. It is on screen. Mia is stuck or geez, Maxine is stuck under the bed the entire time this happens and she's trying to crawl out while they're getting it on on the bed I remember they're like 90 years old they're like 90 and he's he said he's got heart problems the whole time so the whole time i'm watching this i'm expecting like a downton abbey moment where somebody has a heart attack and like dies you know while they're while they're having sex um and that it doesn't happen spoilers that's not how it happens um but i was just like why do i feel uncomfy right now And I'm like, hold on a second. It's because Hollywood has only trained us to see like young people having sex. Like that's, that's the only sex scenes that you ever see are with people Mm -hmm. up to the age of like, I don't know how, how old is Brad Pitt? I'm trying to think of like the oldest, you know, the oldest person that somebody would, would like put into a sex scene in like a major motion picture. Yeah, Um, He's probably cheating because he, he looks better than most 30 year olds. (sighs) Rabbit's so pretty. Anyway, <laughs> um, but you're no, but that you have to reconcile with and, that, yeah. And so you're, and like, e- yeah. Even that scene, it's like, like it's kind of a pure thing. Yeah, they just got done killing people and stuff, and that's yeah. that's. But setting that aside, it's this like it's a cathartic moment for their characters because like now she's going to get something that she wanted: her husband's affection and attention. And he's going to get something that he want that he wanted the whole time. He's going to get to like give that to his wife yeah. in, in a way that makes him not feel like empty inside. And it's it's like kind of a beautiful moment for them as characters, but it's such a not quote unquote beautiful moment for us watching it because we're like, oh my gosh, please stop, make this stop, and and it's compounded with the fact that Maxine's under the bed. And, and we are trying. we are Maxine under the bed in this. Yeah, scene. we are Maxine we, under the bed. We are being forced to experience this. Yeah. And we we'd want to crawl out of there on our stomachs just as much as she does. She winds mm-hmm. up playing. But she is also like us in that she's having to confront this inevitability of this is what you become. You become somebody that you don't want to be, and you're not able to do the things you want to do. 
and you're going to like have all of this to look forward to. And she's doing it kind of literally and like a, mm-hmm. a meta sort of literal way in that, like she is playing Pearl, the person who is on the bed above her. Yeah. It's a beautiful decision by Ty. Oh, we haven't even said this is made by Ty West. Oh yeah. It's Ty West. So yeah. Ty West who, who does a really great job with these kind of period horror films, mm-hmm. um, especially when shooting on film, which uh, he did with this and with, um, house of the devil which is amazing but they're in both of those movies like house of the devil is a um, a babysitter gone wrong story you know babysitter comes over finds out that there's like a harvest moon or something and this house is harboring terrible secrets yeah. <laughs> uh, you know like the most tropey 80s yeah. kitschy horror movie you can do but ty does a good job of like he's gonna be like yep we're doing that trope. You already know the things what, of what you're going to expect. Now I'm going to like use those things that you're expecting and bring something out of it. That's a little deeper than maybe you thought you would walk away from. I love when with. you can tell that horror directors love the genre that they're in. Yeah. And it's not like a, you know, it's not a cash grab. It's not like a, I think I can do better than all of the greats that came before me. And then mm-hmm. it just like falls in their face. I love, when people have respect for the genre, but then they try something new and it works out really well. Like uh, it just, it makes me really happy. He's one of those directors who just knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does. He also did a few of the segments on um, VHS, which is like an anthology horror, um, horror film. And it's, you know, a bunch of tiny like horror shorts all stuck Mm -hmm. together. And he just, he gets it. He just he knows what makes effective um, either scary or uncomfortable viewing experiences. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Yeah, this is definitely um, uncomfortable. He had the uh, the Tyler Bates is like the main musical director for it, who did all the music for like um, John Wick. And I mean, just like everything. Uh, I think like the Deadpool movies. Yeah, the music was the music was fun and like, and period appropriate. Period appropriate. I think that was the main thing, and it it didn't feel too much like any one existing horror film, which no. I liked. But it had that weird like breathy, um, like a big part of this score was this ethereal sounding like female vocalist just kind of by herself. I really hated that part of the score. Yeah. And there was a lot like, (laughs) yeah, part of what she was doing, like part of her vocalizations was just like breathing. It's, it's all made to sound like sex sounds. Yes. It's, it's both. You can't tell if it's like sex sounds or if it's someone running in the woods sounds. And that's the whole point. Yes. That is literally the whole point. Uh, it was so good, but it was very scary. Also, I need to say one more thing that traumatized me, and this is why I couldn't sleep for a week straight. I realized in this movie, this was like a little Shelby self-awakening here, that I have a fear of things in bed with me. And that was something that I only thought was because The Grudge was a scary movie. But then I reflected after this movie and why I couldn't sleep because, like, I'm used to seeing people get killed in ridiculous ways. Alien is one of my favorite movies. Jurassic Park is one of my comfort movies. Candyman is one of my comfort movies. Like, I love horror and scary things and, and body horror. Like, I love David Cronenberg films. Like, none of that scares me. But the idea of somebody being in bed with you who you do not want. Mm-hmm. And you do not. Because there's a part where Pearl gets into bed with Maxine. Mm-hmm. and starts like touching her soft skin and maxine thinks it's her boyfriend who i think is dead by this point oh, yeah he is yeah he got he got impaled with a um pitchfork, pitchfork to the eyes which was a great death it was a great death <laughs> um because he's like looking through like a, a peephole and then you just see this the light suddenly and then you see the pitchfork it was great um but yeah the the actual fear that i think i have is like somebody being in bed with me that I do not want in bed with me and 
Oh man. Well, because like when that's you are at your most vulnerable at yeah. night when you're asleep. Like I don't and, even freak out with like things like in my room. You know, like the Babadook sure. or whatever. Like I'm like, oh okay. Yeah, whatever. well that's in your room. You still have the comfort of like I'm under the blankets. I'm under the covers. Uh, there's like distance between me and I, you. My my not, feet yeah. are all under the blankets, so the weird sleep demons can't reach up and grab me because Yeah, no alligators can come and get you. Nothing is exposed and dangling off the bed. Like <laughs> it's fine. But oh man, this was just it was cre- it was creepy. It was creepy. That's what most of it is. Like it has its moments of just like over the top violence and it's over the top kind of on purpose. But most of the movie is just very unsettling. And it's uh, it's a fun inversion of the slow moving um, killers. You know, the the um, Halloween lumbering giant coming to get you because these killers are coming to get you. But they move slow because they're old Cause they're and they old. can't walk yeah. fast. They're not Michael Myers. Like they're not Michael Myers, but they they are cunning and they're clever. They're just slow. <laughs> I don't know. See, here's my thing. I don't know why anybody didn't think to like scare the old dude. Oh, but no, he didn't say that he had heart problems to anybody. He didn't tell. Yeah, they didn't. That know was he had just the audience. Dang, I was gonna say I would have yeah. just jump scared him and then made him keel over which is what winds up killing him is that he gets scared is a jump scare it's a jump it is a good jump scare it's a jump scare and he has a heart attack and like dies Mm -hmm. in in the middle it's hysterical it is the one bit of levity before the absolute bloodbath just kind of like i will say Mm -hmm. it is it is probably bloodier than the first texas chainsaw film yeah because the original texas chainsaw if you've never seen it is more like slow burny implied like yeah, implied body horror. this is slow burny too this is slow burny until like it like takes like a, it takes like 45 minutes to get to the first kill mm-hmm. it, and it's, it's not a long movie that. either it's like an hour hour yeah. and a half hour 45 minutes we were very surprised by how short this movie was but it feels like the exact right length because mm-hmm. ty west script is incredible it's tight and it's this is this is what happens when you go through all of the appropriate numbers of revisions yeah. to make to make your story tight and make sure your characters work. It's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a lot left to like say about it other well, than I loved talk- like the thing that I love the most is just the way that it explored the themes at at its core, you know, and it used the sort of like objectionable content, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, not as like a method of titillation, but as a vehicle to explore this concept of aging and self-worth and, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Y'all, nothing about this movie is sexy. No. no. If, you're, if you're worried about this being like, oh, it's about porn stars. Oh, no. Like, it's not. It, it's it, not. <laughs> it's it's not at all. And if you think it is, then I have questions for you. I have so many questions for you. <laughs> Cause like even the porn scenes are played for laughs. Like yeah. very much so played for laughs. Like the whole premise of the porno is um Kid Cuddy's character shows up on a farm and he needs And the farmer's daughters. The there. farm it's the farmer's daughters, plural. And yeah. so it's it's ridiculous and outlandish in the 1970s equivalent of the pizza guy showing up, you know, (laughs) right. But even, even those scenes, it's never comfy because you don't know who's lurking around any of the, yeah. Oh yeah. You you see them like the, especially Pearl, like sneaking around and peeking in the windows and you're like, you're just, Oh man, you're uncomfortable the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, because like there are so many, and and if you know the horror genre and you know the tropes, in my brain, I'm fully prepared for a Camp Green Lake Mama Voorhees killing people while they're having sex kind of death. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm fully expecting Pearl to just like impale two people mm-hmm. in the middle of sex because that's that's happened in other horror movies, and so I'm yeah. like, like it becomes extra tense the more you know about the horror genre, which I think is really really cool. Yeah, and Ty did that on purpose. Oh, he absolutely did. He 
like Shelby said earlier, it's really obvious that he knows and adores horror movies because even all the references, like some of them are just outright blatant. Yep. This is what I'm referencing. There's a, there's a shot when they come across a, a car that's like halfway submerged in a swamp and you're like, Oh yeah, this is literally the last shot in psycho, mm-hmm. you know, that <laughs> it's very obvious what this is. There are multiple it, shots in psycho too. Like there are multiple pulls from psycho because Yep. There's there's a shower scene. There's, yep. you know, you you wait for somebody to kill him while he's in the shower because this pers- like specific character mentioned that he likes Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're like, hold on a second, uh-huh. hold on a second. Or he mentioned there were really... he mentioned Hitch- Hitchcock. Yeah, he did. And there are uh, obvious Texas Chainsaw references. That's probably the one that like it feels the most like, just kind of as a movie because it's not about a psychotic Norman Bates. Um, this is about somebody you're not expecting to be a brutal murderer, becoming a brutal murderer very slowly. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, that's, um, that's the movie X. Um, I don't know. Is it still wanna, in theaters? It might be. It's probably not now. Do you want to tell the lovely people at home though? What you told me literally seconds before we hit start on this podcast. What what did I say? I forgot. He said there's a sequel. Oh yeah, there's a sequel. Yeah, there is. Apparently, um, f- just from what I gather about it, the during production they had to take like a two week break. Um, I think it was COVID related, and during that break, Ty was like, "I wonder what happened to Pearl to make her this way." No. And so the sequel's called Pearl. I don't want it. Yep, and Mia Goth is obviously in it as Pearl, no. but it's it's a sequel that is a prequel, and apparently they were just from some of the things I've read about it. Apparently they they started filming it like in conjunction with X. <sighs> yeah, so there is going to be a sequel, and or I guess a, technically a prequel, and uh, I'm fascinated to know where he's going to go with this stressed i'm like is this going to be like are we going to get like a sunset boulevard thing oh that could be it that could actually be interesting like to not go back to like her childhood but her dance like 60s you know if she's like in her 60s and she's this like recovering starlet who Mm -hmm. thinks that she deserves all of this stuff but nobody's giving it to her but she Mm -hmm. still has all the energy of like you know, a, a youngish person. And I'm sure we're going to get into why they started killing people and holding them up into sex dungeons. Surely. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it has anything to do with that. Like if that was like the husband's idea because he couldn't give her what she wanted. Yeah. Or I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be about. I, there's not a plot uh, summary anywhere. But according to IMDb, uh, it is in post-production. So bleh. it. Maybe they've started filming. Maybe they, or maybe they're they're done filming. Maybe they're, they're editing. not. I can't imagine. I think they shot that one pretty quickly. I feel and like they, they shot it. Did. They shot it on film, which was great. That gave it part of that Texas Chainsaw vibe. Um, and we both talked about the very first shot in the movie. Okay, and how it blew our brains. The out very of our first shot is so clever. It's so good. It is of the house. And you think that it's the aspect ratio. Yeah, it's like a one-to-one old film looking Yeah, it's pretty aspect much ratio. Clear. And you think you're watching a movie within a movie. Yeah, and so you're like, oh, this is this is really clever. And then he like zooms in and you it realize looks like the aspect ratio is shifting in front of you. Was shifting out in front of you. You yeah. realize that it's just the barn doors that mm-hmm. have you know, existed as as the black bars on the side of the screen. And then as he shifts forward, it expands. And I'm like, this is the best shot. Like that was when I was like, okay, this is going to be a good movie. Yeah. Um, it's literally just a push. They got the camera yeah. on Dolly and they're pushing. That's all that it's, that's happening. It but was it's so effective. Literally one of the coolest shots I've seen in a horror movie and like one of the best opening decisions I've seen totally in a while. Totally brilliant. It was really, really Because clever. it ties in with everything that this movie is talking about. They do it all in one shot. It starts out looking like a one-to-one old-timey film-looking thing. And you're that references this movie that these kids are going to make. And then 
you're going in towards this house, which is where all this stuff is taking place. And you're going out of the barn, which is where these people are trying to escape from. And it's <laughs> like the whole movie is summed up in this one shot. It was probably Elliot, uh, Elliot Rockett, the, the cinematographer mm. who he probably came up with that. The way that he lit everything in this movie, because a lot of it takes place at night, but nothing is overly dark. Like you can see everything, you know. The shadow play was really clever too. And the um like the overhead of Maxine swimming away from the alligator, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know that she's swimming away from an alligator. And there's just that it's a beautiful movie to look at, except for the parts that are disgusting to look at. <laughs> Even those from like VFX, like good job to the FX team. The prosthetics team? The prosthetics team killed it. Give them Give them a raise. Well, because, They're not getting paid enough so money. So I think the one of, um, oh my gosh, isn't that actress's name Jenna? The young one? Yeah, Jenna Ortega. Yeah, Jenna. Jenna Ortega from Scream, who plays little mm-hmm. sister in Scream, is the the young girl. She doesn't make it out of the movie. Sorry. But her yeah. death is the one that is the jump scare at the end. She gets her, her face basically shotgunned. Uh-huh. And so there's like a gurgle. I'm pretty sure that is all practical because she had to do that yeah i think it is too it was so well done i don't know that there were many shots that weren't practical yeah i mean it was just so so well done yeah it's the old school just bring in a lot of buckets of blood Mm -hmm. and we're gonna splatter this everywhere there was so much blood oh man yeah and so many great prosthetics yeah but um that's all i have to say about this because i know we got another one to talk about i'm really excited we do but yeah i think that's all i got too it's if you're if you're into this kind of movie um definitely watch it i don't know that i want to watch it again yet (laughs) yet but i'm glad that i saw it the first time see you know it's one of those yeah any final thoughts no no final thoughts no thoughts just vibes oh speaking of casey i hope you enjoyed this episode Yes, Casey. Thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> and everybody else. All right. All seven well, of we'll you. catch y'all next time. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.